is your favorite room in your home and why? A favorite room in my house has to be our living room. It's the heart of the house. It's the place where we have our identity still intact, but the kids' stuff kind of intermingles. And it's, you know, where we have our favorite memories around the fire. And it's the place that I know when we sell this house, I'll miss the most. What is the biggest design faux pas? Oh, that's a hard one. (laughs) I think the biggest design faux pas is choosing one style and not branching out or expressing yourself. If you were on a budget, what is the most important accessory to add to a room? Art. What is the best indoor plant for looks and ease? Oh my gosh, I don't know plant names. I would say a rubber plant. (laughs) That would be a good one, an easy one. (laughs) No, I, I will say a rubber plant survived our home renovation without any water for 90 days. So I will stick to that. Okay, I've heard that, that you can basically like just ignore them and they'll be fine. Yes, they will survive. And they're beautiful. Do you have a favorite design TV show? I'm a Joanna Gaines super fan, so I love Fixer Upper. Hey, Julie. Hey, Tedra. Today we're chatting with Kate Ahrens on the show. Kate is the founder and lead of the award-winning design firm and wildly popular blog, Wit and Delight. So Kate is a true creative. She has extensive experience in the design industry and has parlayed her knowledge into building brands and marketing campaigns for clients from the ground up. Along with her incredible and talented team, she successfully launched products not only for Wit and Delight, but also for Target, I mean, hello, and other nationally recognized brands. During our talk, we discuss her early days starting out as a solo designer and how 10 years later, it's grown into a multifaceted, multi-platform business. She shares about the growing pains and the occasional self-doubt through the climb and has also learned to develop and sharpen her leadership skills along the way, sort of like the ultimate MBA program on the job. Anyway, we loved our chat with Kate, and we just know you will too. So before we start the show, we have a quick favor to ask. If you are enjoying the podcast, would you mind sharing it with a friend? Just click the share button and spread the get to know love. Thanks, guys. You are listening to We Get to Know Podcast, and for years, we've all been following some of the most inspiring creatives, innovators, social media influencers, and bloggers. Simply put, we get inspired. The next best thing to following our favorite people is hearing their stories straight from them. So listen in as we get to know Kate. Okay, Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm sitting here with my tea and excited to talk. (laughs) Me too. So we're also recording this in the evening, so it's kind of cozy in our homes, hopefully, and ready for a good conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me, I sort of want to, just in your own words, like define, like for someone who doesn't know you or like your company, like what is Wit and Delight? Yes, I get that question a lot. Wit and Delight started out as a blog and it's since blossomed into a true brand in a sense that we have seven different revenue streams and a media entity with product. And really all of that centers around this idea of finding beauty and joy and vulnerability in unexpected places. And we've really been just focused on helping people live better with what they have and helping them kind of feel free and feel empowered to be themselves as they build homes for themselves, as they find relationships that they are going to stay in long-term, as they get to know themselves better. So that's been the lens that has kept this whole thing cohesive in a sense. And uh, we've been around for almost 10 years. And I would say it's an accident that we are still here. The blog really just started out as a way for me to get my design work out there and the community really took it in a different direction. So 
it's really grown to serve them versus my own design aesthetic. So I have a question, like, did you always feel like a creative, like growing up? Did you always feel, you know, like you wanted to design your room or, you know, I guess sort of by the creative spirit, even when you were young? Yeah, I I think that I, I wasn't exposed to design as a kid. So I didn't know, I didn't know that I was, it was something other than kind of an idiosyncrasy that I had. I used to color all over my pillows and I, I was really into trading spaces. And so I would flip my room in a day. I remember the, the day that I painted everything like Pepto-Bismol pink. And the, the hilarious thing is that I took photos with a disposable camera and got them developed at one hour photo so I could view them that day. And it's just oh, hilarious so to think funny. like, <laughs> it's like what I'm doing now, you know? So I would say, yes, the impetus was certainly there, but I feel like I really did stumble into a creative career. You know, just before college, I thought, oh, you know, maybe maybe I want to design buildings and pursuing architecture brought me to graphic design and graphic design brought me to a whole world of design really being a good communication tool. And I think that's really why I've, I've loved the space that I'm in. Where did you grow up? I grew up in the Chicago suburbs. So St. Charles, it's it's right outside of the city, far enough out that it was quaint and had a little downtown, but close enough to have a, you know, have my own membership to the science museum. And I would skip school my senior year and go down there and go shopping and look at art. So, yeah. Where did you end up choosing to go to school? I ended up going to Iowa State. I'm actually a, a third generation family member there. And my family said, you know, at least go and look at the school. And I knew I wanted to go into design at that point. And it was ranked pretty high in, in the nation in terms of a design program. And uh, I showed up and a cute guy holding an architectural model showed me where the bathroom was and I, I was sold. So <laughs> that's about all it takes sometimes, especially with that like 18 or 19 year old mind. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I just think like going into college, like so many people have no idea what they want to do. So the fact that you sort of figure that out, like your senior year heading into school, like ugh, that must have been, I mean, just nice to like have a direction, know where you're heading and then execute it. Yeah. And I think that that is a lot less common now. And, you know, I, I do a lot of speaking at colleges where I, I talk about the unconventional path I took as a designer, where there really is no charted territory for being a, a graphic designer and getting into the field that I'm in, except for design thinking and being a good problem solver. So, you know, in a way, I'm kind of doing it backwards. But, you know, I, I like to tell to tell students that, you know, it's it's good to get out there and, and learn and build that muscle of, of learning because most likely all of us are going to be flexing that muscle for the rest of our careers. And I think that's what keeps us sharp and keeps us innovating. Well, if someone doesn't have sort of like a background in design and they're just interested in it and they love it. Like what was unconventional about the way that you did it? I started the blog itself when I was 24. It was 2008 and the stock market had crashed and I had this very, very small design job. And I I knew where my, or I had thought that my income was coming from probably a small business loan. And I listened to enough NPR to get really freaked out about how I was going to pay off my credit card debt. And <laughs> I thought, okay, well, what am I going to do about that? I looked at blogging as a way to connect to potential clients to build brands for, you know, and I, I, I learned enough and felt confident enough to freelance. But, you know, I think looking outside the box as opposed to, you know, going to networking events or, you know, at this point, Twitter wasn't even really a thing. I mean, I think it just had come out. 
I think in that sense, it was, it wasn't just about putting a portfolio up. It was about talking about my work and and connecting with people outside of other designers. And when I decided to leave the agency world and go out on my own, I mean, people were like, you're crazy because you're never going to be able to get back in. Or how could you leave this? Like leaving it for the blog? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking too, in 2008, that would have been much more rare than it is today. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and it, it, it took me a while. I mean, it started in 2008 and I left, I mean, I think in 2000, 2010, 2012. And I, I still like, I built up to the point where I had literally no steady income. I consulted a lot, but you know, in that sense, it wasn't, it was just sort of like, you could see a couple steps in front of where you were going, you know, but the future wasn't illuminated. There wasn't a, you know, you graduate from law school and then you go and you work for a firm and you become a partner. And I think there are, there are people where that, that type of security is, is incredibly important for them to feel secure and safe. And I think I get more energy and I feel fuller when I'm pursuing projects than I do when things are more stable. So there is a part of me that does kind of yearn for the thrill of, of not knowing what's next, I think. So I think it is something like thrilling knowing that you have no idea what's around the corner for yourself, you know, in a given day. So when you finished school, did you stay in Iowa or where did you head afterwards? I actually went straight up to Minneapolis. You know, again, my college career sort of ended with a dramatic, you know, exit of a boy in my life. I got dumped on graduation day. No. <laughs> like, How awful. We moved to Philadelphia together and I had a made friends for life, you know, in, in school. And I just cried the whole way home. My mom was just like, what is going to happen to you? So I drove up to Minnesota to hang out with, with some of my sorority sisters and I had a lot of job interviews. I had been, you know, interviewing out in Philadelphia. So I was like, okay, well, I better see what's out there. And because so many of my, my friends were from Minnesota, I thought, you know, Target's up there, General Mills, there's a lot of exciting design work coming out of Minnesota. I should take a look at, at what's up there and got offered a job that weekend and decided to put all my belongings in the car. And oh, what an interesting turn of events. Oh, you yeah. Your life is going in one direction. And then, okay, like how mean can you be to ruin your graduation day? And I will never forget it. We were like, he was an architect and we were graduating in the same class. And, and I'm like, this is like out of a movie. I'm like, we're dressed up and I'm like holding back the tears and our parents don't know yet. And it, it was, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's since apologized and is, you know, and is happily married to a man. So, you know, thanks. For- oh, no way. Okay. Well that, I mean, at least listen, I mean, it led him to his own path that, I mean, it would have never worked out. At least you know that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He took me out for a drink when we were in, in New York and apologized. So it, it's a happy ending. Yeah. But really that's like your sliding door moment. I mean, it really is interesting how you ended up in a completely different space. Okay, so you started your blog after, you know, working in the design world for a few years. I mean, what did that look like in the beginning? Was it just you plugging away on your computer? I mean, oh my gosh. I mean, so much of this is just me plugging away on my computer. It was, you know, there weren't templates. I downloaded, I wanted my site to look different than most of the bloggers because at this point there was already, you know, Design Fund was already like just taking the internet over. Oh, Joy was, you know, was killing it. And I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to stand out, I want my site to look a little bit different. So I actually found this raw template of code that ironically enough looks like Pinterest. Um, this was long before Pinterest, but the site itself, and I can actually send you guys a photo of this, was gridded. And I coded that thing myself and it was glitchy and 
non-intuitive, but it looked different. And I was obsessed about that. So it looked like that. And it had the name um, Afternoon Delight, which once I saw that people were following and reading, I was like, oh my God, I need to change that name. I was like, what did I mean by that? Like they're going to think this is something totally different. And so Wit and Delight was born on the spot because I was like, oh, I was trying to be witty. So I was like, okay, Wit and Delight. Oh, I love that. It very much, I mean, obviously it changes with with your sense of style physically, the site has changed, but it really was all about browsing. And it was like sort of a nonlinear exploration of what I was interested in slash making at the time. So it truly in that blog sense was a bit of a open diary. And it, you know, since then has brought in, you know, a number of contributor voices. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I, I try to serve our audience in the best way possible. And sometimes that means it's not me writing. Sometimes it means me editing or it means me going out and making product or bringing people in with different perspectives. But, you know, at some point when the audience gets to to a certain size, it's just not about you anymore. And so it was a lot more about, you know, what I was going through and what I was expressing. And it, it's not that I don't talk about that now. It's just, I usually put the needs of the readers first. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about your growth though, and how you sort of went from being solo to, you know, a team leader. What did that look like when you took on like your first employee and like, how did you know you were ready for that? I mean, I sort of want to know like how that process worked. Yes. I get that question a lot. And it it was a a moment in my life that I, I remember very clearly. We had just signed a deal with Target that I was going to be doing a collection with them. And at that point in time, I was really like, man, I, I should just go and consult. I can, you know, make pretty good money and I, I enjoy the brand side of things. You know, this is exhausting. I've been doing it for five years. And when that deal came through, I thought, okay, I, I need to like, I need to give this a go. So I sort of made it through at least the point where the the line was getting into the the pre-selling aspect of things and I could not handle my email. And someone brought me pizza and I just started bawling because I, it, oh. you know, truly the managing of communication and not all creatives are like this, but I am truly like, I will become hyper-focused on a big hairy project and day-to-day activities are like pulling teeth. Like I, I am just terrible at time management and project management. And we, we were just getting opportunity, you know, front, right, and center. And also I was losing, losing traction with followers because I wasn't able to spend all that time speaking with them. And so I, I, my first hire was a project manager and she's still with me. And she basically just said she came from the agency world and knew how to talk with a lot of the people that I was interfacing with, where it was a lot of time back and forth, a lot of, you know, proposals and planning things through. And I had a very, very clear vision on how I wanted to take on partnerships to make sure that we didn't lose our brand identity in, in early, early stages when when you scale that that can happen. And she got that. So it was her and I for a, a while up until about, uh, man, I think just now two years ago, we added, I think, four people in 2016 after I had my first baby. And then we added, you know, three more people last year. And you know, in a lot of ways, this the scaling has been based on, you know, has been on somewhat project basis, but also sort of bringing in people that can just get some of the work done. And, and really what's happening next year and kind of the tail end of 2018 is getting the right people in the right seats and finding Swiss Army Knives who are, who are really able to to specialize in certain aspects of the way that we're growing the company. So it's been a rough road. And I, I would say building a team is something where I, I know that 
eventually if we ever get to the point where where I can afford this is that I, I will have someone handle my operations or they will be my integrator or, you know, whatever, whatever operational term that, you know, people subscribe to in the way that they run their business. It's something that I desperately need, but we get by. So I, I just wonder, like, if you're feeling the pressure of being overworked, which it sounds like clearly, you know, you were and you have been. I mean, was it ever hard for you to, like, let go of the control a little bit? Like, I always think, like, I guess if it's not your forte to, like, work through emails and work through some of those initial proposals and things like that, even though you're getting your voice across, like, to your person you're working with. But, like, did you ever struggle with, like, letting go of that? Or were you, like, take it? Like, I'm glad. Like I was, like, take it. And I have touch points and touch bases of where I can keep track of things. And I do benefit from not having a hard time saying what I need to say. It's always been easy for me to give feedback. And I, I think design school really helps with that. That critique is is always a good thing. And so when we interview, I always make sure that people are really okay with the fact that there is not a whole lot of sugarcoating. I deliver my feedback with kindness and it's it's always about the work itself and, and is never, you know, criticism for the sake of criticism. But I think that makes it a little bit easier to give up control when you know that you have a very clear idea of what needs to happen. And no employee is really going to grow unless you give them enough leash to really own something. That's true. Yeah. And I was finding that if you're holding on so tight, it's just exhausting to micromanage as well. Like the whole point was to be able to step away and like truly truly get engrossed in writing and get engrossed in things that make the company grow. And if I'm not in that zone, we tend to not grow as quickly. So giving up control of those key points of contact is really important. The other thing that I found is somewhat, I think, unique from talking to other entrepreneurs is that I am not an A-type person and that I love throwing things against the wall and seeing what happens. And we have had a lot of success. And I think if I would have dwelled on it, things being perfect, they would have never gotten out there. Oh, that's such, that's a really good point to make for people growing a business. I mean, I think it's, you're growing a business. It doesn't mean you all of a sudden have leadership skills and all the things that like are important for running a business. So you're sort of like learning on the job and, I don't know. I think that's a really valid point. I was getting my hair done the day of the Kavanaugh hearings and I was sort of just like, okay, I'm just going to go and I'm going to sit here and, you know, I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm just going to like, you know, hang out with my hair, my hair person. And she goes, that day I had to have some hard conversations with, with some people at work. And I'm like, you know, I just feel like I've made so many mistakes this year. And, you know, I don't know what I'm doing in terms of operating a business. And I, I think I was just feeling overwhelmed in general. And she goes, you know, Kate, think about how much an MBA cost. And I mean, maybe you can call it even the amount of money that you've wasted, you know, and sort of just, I'm like, you want to know what? It just made me laugh because it's so true. And it's sort of the school of hard knocks where you learn as you go. And the reality is, is that's the way that I learn best is by messing up and saying, okay, well, I'm never going to do that again. And that again comes from just sometimes jumping before you're ready. But there's a lot of valuable lessons in that. Hey guys, we're going to pause for a minute to tell you about one of our partners. Anyone interested in 30% off the best vitamins? We know health and nutrition is important to everyone. One thing that goes hand in hand with our health is supplemental care. We've partnered with Dr. C Vitamins to offer you a 30% discount off their premium pharmaceutical grade and medically endorsed line of supplements. All vitamins are not created equal. In fact, there is no FDA oversight for supplements. 
Unlike over-the-counter vitamins, Dr. C supplements are manufactured without commonly found synthetic ingredients. I mean, you guys, who wants synthetics going into our bodies? They're also non-GMO and gluten-free. Their standards are so high, these vitamins are actually manufactured just like a prescription drug would be in an FDA-registered facility. Most vitamins do not subject themselves to this level of oversight. People are always asking if we take these personally, and we do. I take the D3K2 combo to support bone health, memory, mood, and immune support, and their collagen biotin that supports strong hair, nails, and skin. And then when I'm having those nights where I'm having a hard time falling asleep and unwinding, I take the melatonin B6 combo, and it really helps me gently fall asleep naturally. So give them a try, you guys. Go to drccares.com, use our code WEGETTONOW, and save 30% on your next order. Now enjoy the rest of the interview. So I want to ask you, when you got your first big client, I guess you mentioned this, but was that the target? Was that your first really big client? That was my first big break for Wit and Delight, the brand. I've consulted quite a bit. I, I consulted for 18 months for Fossil Group and built their editorial team and worked to like restructure some of their marketing team and ran their big campaign last year with Kristen Bell. So I've, I've had different sort of like pinnacles yeah. in my career that have sort of straddled Wit and Delight versus Kate Aaron's the brand person. But it was a lot scarier to put your brand name on something that was out there. And, and you know, targets is, mean something to the design community. So I, that to me feels bigger than than the consulting. Well, I wanted to ask about that. So like your first big experience, whether it was Fossil or maybe even a smaller brand before that, but like, did you ever struggle with confidence feeling like, not the fake it till you make it type thing, but just sort of like, wow, like someone's really interested in me with this big project and, you know, it's not any second guessing or, you know what I mean? Where'd you get the confidence to be like, okay, I can do this and I'm going to do it. Yes. I second guessed myself all the way through, you know, I, I actually hired, oh joy, when she was doing little consulting, like hour long consultations when I oh, wow. started the site and I like got my portfolio ready for her and I like did all this stuff and she we got on the phone and she was like, Kate, you are going to be fine you were going to be better than fine. And I was like, no, please tell me what's wrong with what I'm doing. And I think it was in that moment where she just said it to me so directly. She's like, you have to stay the course and have the confidence that what you're doing is good. And once you have a couple of wins on that smaller scale, it becomes a lot more comfortable to make more leaps and more steps in sort of bigger, bigger directions. There are moments where when you move in, I think to the next rung of your career, which I I'm experiencing right now, just a lot of like micro failures on a daily basis, growing all these other entities, you have to protect that light in you that gets excited about getting up and working every day and kind of become comfortable with the fact that discomfort is going to be part of growing what you're doing. So it's like, it was scaring in the beginning and it's just, it's continually scary. So I, I think for anyone's talking, who's starting out and who's like, man, I'm like terrified to do it. It's important to say, okay, like jump and trust that you sound a lot smarter than you think you do. And you know a lot more than you think you do. And I've, I have actually learned this tip from my therapist who, this was in my early 20s, would say, I want you to talk into your microphone and your phone, talk like you would be talking to me. I would hear myself in my head, and I probably feel this way now as I'm talking to you, as this sort of scared, like meek person who's like kind of stumbling through her words. And when I would play it back, I was like, that person sounds like they've got it together. And it was mm -hmm. such a disconnect between who I thought I was when I listened or I was 
in the moment speaking and who was playing back to myself. And that was hugely eye-opening. And I would recommend it to anyone who's struggling with, you know, confidence and just saying, I know what I'm talking about and, and please, you know, pay me for what I'm worth. Just that act of like, even working through small problems, just hearing yourself when you're alone, talking through things is a nice confidence booster. I love that so much. So, okay, let's talk about the studio a little bit. I'm super curious how that started. And then I sort of want to know a little bit more, like it's a space, right? And then it's also like consulting, styling, direction. Like I sort of want to know, like how did that all come together? And then what does that actually look like to run that business or that side of your business? Yes, we, we've actually, we had a meeting to kind of sort out the fact that we have a physical studio space and that we have, you know, a design studio. So Studio 125 was, again, sort of an accident I stumbled into. I knew I needed a physical space for my business when I was pregnant with my first child. And I was wrapping up my long consulting stint and knew that I I needed to separate work from home. And so I found this space and it quickly dawned on me that it was a little bit small for a growing team. And the space next door happened to be open and was going to be rented out. And it's not not so often that you can expand and need to expand and have that space literally that you can like just knock down a wall. So five months into our first lease, I sent a note out and I said, hey, you know, could I have like a thousand more square feet? And then someone said, well, maybe you should just take the whole thing, which the space itself is like 6,000 square feet. It's massive you know, mm. for a teeny tiny team. And the person who had suggested that was, you know, running events and weddings. And she's my director of merchandise for Wit and Delight. And she said, you know, I think that this is a really great opportunity. And so, you know, having a partner in that, I wanted to make sure it was separate from Wit and Delight. You know, it was designed by me. All of the Wit and Delight stuff is in there, but it truly is a space that is about the values of Wit and Delight, but it's open for anyone else, anyone to come in and really use it. And we have weddings there, you know, Oh, okay. I was curious, like, how is it used? Yeah. So it all gets used, you know, and it, it's so fun to see, you know, brides that are like on our couch or, you know, people have girls night there. Like we have, like, we're doing this really great yoga event on Saturday where we're using all of our rugs for people to just have an afternoon of wellness. And it's, it's again, that idea that everyone really needs connection. And I think social media, while we're connected to a lot of people and a lot of ideas, it can be incredibly isolating. And that in real life, real connection is almost, you know, more important now. And if I can bring people into our space and say, you know, use the props, use the stuff, cook in the kitchen, uh, that's a wonderful way of giving that to other people. So that's Studio 125. And then under Wit and Delight, I still do some brand work. We still do some styling for other companies. You know, we, we have all the assets and the ability to do it. And I've just not been able to quit client work. And I, I think it's always sometimes more fun for me to work on other people's brands because it's a some reprieve for my own. And, you know, it's, it's always fun to help other brands kind of figure out what move they can make next. You guys probably feel this way too with your own business where you're trying to climb up this rock wall and you need someone down below to tell you where to put your hand of like where to go next because you're so in it. And I think taking that time away to help other people sometimes helps me see my business in a new way as well. That's so valuable for a small business starting out. Like, I mean, especially if you don't have creatives within your business, it's like having a place to go to get that help is invaluable. So I want to talk about your products a little bit. I know, I don't know a ton about it, but I know you have like the Wit and Delight brand, right? Yep. Separate. And then you also do products for other people. So how does that all work and how did that come about? I guess maybe let's talk about your own products first. I'm sort of curious how that all worked. Our products did start with collaborations, which is a really nice way to kind of 
figure out if it's something that you want to do. Being in the design world, product has always been something I've wanted to be kind of that end game aspect of Wit and Delight. So it, it's been in my mind for a really long time. And we, we were really excited to launch our own product this year. We started with stationery mostly because we had a, a great wholesale partner who had a great resource for paper. And it's also really what I've known best. And it's the, the overhead is, is low, the margins are accessible. And it's, you know, again, not leaping into home decor um, and inventory that, that you can't handle. So we've been kind of enjoying figuring out what the brand looks and feels like? How do we live in an online world if you don't know, or in someone's hands if you don't know Wit and Delight the blog, which we would you know, hope that we're not just really talking to our readers in the sense of product. I mean, we, we talk about what we have going on, but we're not farming sales out of that audience. You know, They didn't sign up to be sold to. So we, we let them know about it, but we're really looking to cultivate a, a whole different group of people who are interested in wind light products. So it started out with, with stationery. It's getting into, you know, organization, getting into some decor. We have prints right now. I, that the print shop really came out of a, a challenge that I was giving myself. It's a hundred days of creativity. I'm around day 40 now. And I just was really feeling burnt out with running my business. And I thought, okay, let's get back into design again. And some of our followers said, Hey, I'd love to, you know, buy that as a print. And so our print shop has grown and we're now looking at working with a couple of people to get framing up and doing fulfillment. So that's, it's exciting to see when we, we find something that really resonates with people that's outside of, of the blog. You know, it's, it kind of feels like starting from scratch again, uh, which is very humbling. But again, like as I was talking about discomfort, I know that I'm doing, I'm annoyed that I'm in the right spot in growing this and, and that I'm, that I'm starting out in a place that is, is humbling because it's every day is like, Oh my gosh, we're learning new things, you know, things that go a new learning curve. Yeah. 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 So it's like, Oh, Oh, I remember this so clearly, even though it's like, you know, it's been, I've been doing this for so long. So, so it's exciting to have our own site and our own shop. And then, you know, we love collaborating with brands that really share our values like gather and Huga and West and, you know, even with Target, you know, I, I don't think we're going to do another Target collaboration in our future, mostly because you should never say never. But I think we've learned a lot from understanding how big box retailers work and have been super grateful for all that exposure. We know where our price points, where we want to be with that. And, and it's mostly about value and longevity of product. So most of our collaborations now are a little bit smaller niche brands that really align well with, with our audience and design aesthetic. What does a typical day look like for you when you're at your office? I am a batch time organizer. So the days look a little bit different versus what my week looks like. So I'll kind of explain it in this way. I, I'm i a night owl. So most often I am working pretty late. I'm either writing or designing during those nights. I try not to do my email. So I wake up with my kids around 7 and I'm out the door at 8 when our I have a full-time nanny. The nanny comes and I go the long way to work so I can listen to a podcast. That's how my ritual every morning. Oh, what's like, what's one or two of your favorite podcasts? Oh, my favorite murder. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Um, I've been listening to the Goop podcast quite a bit. And then Gold Digger, Jenna is someone that I've I've watched grow from an early age. And she's been kind of like my therapist in, in growing the business. So yeah, I love both of those too. Yeah. yeah. What were you going to say about, was there a murder mystery show that you like? Oh, my favorite murder. Oh, my favorite murder. That's the name of it. Okay. Yes, my favorite murder. So that's that's the name of the podcast. That's the one that when I really just need to not think about work, have a really good laugh, and just kind of feels like hanging out with your friends. I mean, they're 
uber famous now. You know, it's uh, there's something incredibly comforting about starting the morning with voices that have become familiar to you. So that that's been an important ritual for me. So yeah, when I get to work, it's um, I try to I have a way of listing everything out that I'm going to do. I Mondays and Tuesdays are all about administrative stuff. So. I have most of my meetings. I try to schedule calls. I do all of my email. I do billing, and I get all of my all of my meeting stuff out of the way. And then the back half of the week, I spend making or doing having huge chunks of time that I'm working on big projects. Like I'm, you know, I'll write blog posts. We're recording podcasts that has, is launching soon. Oh, that's exciting! Yes, yes, yeah. It's just me, you know, with my microphone, trying to hope that the people next door will not make noise, but. <laughs> Um, yes, I'm working on that, as you know, like it takes time to kind of make sure that you've got all that stuff kind of figured out before you launch. Uh, you'll have to let us know when you launch. And I would love to like give a shout oh, out yeah. on our podcast about it because yeah, it's exciting. I- yeah, I'll let you know. It's, it's the Wit and Delight podcast with Kate Aaron. Oh, the Wit and Delight. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we were going to call it something else. And I, <laughs> we redesigned our website and she was like, it's the Wit and Delight podcast. And I'm like, well, at the end of the day, it's sort of, it's your brand, you know, like why not stick with it? Yeah. When do you think that's going to launch? Um, November 1st. And what I've been doing is when I've been writing, I essentially finish writing and then I record. It's actually been a, a pretty great way to extend on on what I've been writing. So we'll see. I mean, it really is the content that is more essay-based and I'm hoping to get some contributors on. So it really is sort of the health and wellness and the you know the career advice and stuff that is the article on Wit and Delight that will end up being me talking about them. So I love that. Exciting. Congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Podcasting is, I'm so thankful it's, it's become a thing because it's changed my life in so many ways. So I only hope that we can, you know, pay it forward. Yeah. I am oftentimes working on something that's taking multiple hours at a time. So having my weeks really batched out like that is incredibly helpful. You know, I tend to do some meditation during the day in the middle of the day and my day at about 4.30, 4.45 when I come home and, you know, I'm mom from, you know, from that time until about eight. And then, you know, my husband and I are binging something on Netflix and working and, you know, kind of hanging out and getting the house put back together so we can do it all over again. So I miss traveling. You know, I, I think I, I'm someone who's not liked routines, but what parenthood and running a business has taught me is that Routines are incredibly important for all humans to just give yourself boundaries. And so I'm, I'm thankful for, for the limitations. In a sense, they've, they've been liberating, even though they've sort of for, they forced me, uh, they forced my hand at, at accepting that. But it's taught me a lot about myself and I think I'm a better person for it. So, I mean, 10 years, you're into this 10 years now. What would you say like is your like overarching thought about like this business that you've created and built? My overarching thought is that you do not have to be this business savvy, strategic minded MBA to build something that can make an impact and have a long-term trajectory. So much of this I've done with my eyes closed, just feeling feeling the waters and never being afraid to try new technologies, new things, not being scared to put things out there when they're not finished. And I would encourage so many of those people who are like, but I'm not I like to take a weekend to do nothing, but you have a burning passion to make something or put something out there that that it's possible. I would say maybe even five years ago, I was like, oh, this thing's going to tank. But when you look back at 10 years, I mean, I can't believe that. I, I can't mm-hmm. believe that I've been doing it for this long. 
It's really encouraging to hear you say that too, for I'm sure a lot of people that are trying to get something going, you know? Yeah. Okay. I want to switch gears just a little bit before we move on to ask everyone stuff, but you talk on social media and then also on your blog about like mental well-being, And I want to just touch a little bit about like the openness that you've had with like anxiety or like touches of depression here and there and sort of like what made you want to open up about that? And then how were you able to be honest? And then like, what has the feedback been? Yes. So I have been talking about this since 2013, which is, you know, you see it, you see it a lot more now than you did then. And really the impetus for it was I I keep going back to this target line, but, and I, I was ready to give up on the site mostly because I had just, I had gotten a divorce when I was 27. I had gone through therapy that had really, I think given me a life that I never had thought that I could have for myself, where I felt self-reliant. I felt comfortable in my ups and downs. And I thought, oh my gosh, I hope everyone can have this because I felt like I had found this like secret to not happiness, but just contentment or just being content in, in your skin. And I'm going through the next evolution of this as I get closer to 35, you know, another decade later, but there was this tug of, this is what's important to me right now. And I'm feeling disenfranchised about how perfect this world is. And I'm feeling like I'm not talking about the struggle that has happened. And I'm sitting here kind of talking about all this beautiful stuff. And I'm guarantee you these readers are, are going through something similar. We're all around the same age. You know, you realize that becoming an adult doesn't make you an adult. And it, it certainly doesn't give you, it doesn't say like, hey, Kate, this is who you are. Like I'm still, I'm like, who the heck am I? Like checking in again, like what is there? And I, I kind of, at this point at 35, I'm like, okay, we got to go back and say, who are we now? And, and so I just, I felt that responsibility. And so I sat down and started writing and, and what came out was not a woe is me or a like, look at me story. It was, it really did. It felt like I had summarized it in a way that would help people. And so I put it out there and it just went crazy. I mean, I think still there's like hundreds and hundreds of comments on my, my post about first getting a divorce. And, and really what had happened with that is that, you know, the impetus of it was that it was my fault. It absolutely was. I exploded my life in a spectacular way and I had to face it. And I think when you become a person that you aren't proud of, or that you kind of never thought was you, or you don't recognize looking at yourself in the mirror and you have to kind of own up to that and crawl back into a place where you feel good about who you are. You kind of feel invincible in a way that you can really rely on yourself and putting it out there in in a way that was like, I own up to the things that I did. And instead of saying like, I'm just going to not admit that I need help. I'm going to like go full steam into it and just say, I need help. And the result was incredible. In a lot of ways, I still get emails from people who are going through, you know, they're either going through a divorce or they're saying, I'm realizing I need a therapist for the first time. And it's, you know, it was written in a way that was after the fact. So you could feel the triumph versus the fear that you have when you go into the office for the first couple times where it's just, it's just awful. So, you know, that was the impetus for it. And it's, it's ever since then, it's been a cornerstone of the site. And, you know, we try to say, it's not just about your mental well-being, but it's about just the curiosity of being human. You know, how do we deal with our addictions or our compulsions or impulsivity or, you know, just building a life around the person that we are? And and I've talked a lot about being a B-type personality. And the more that I realize that I don't necessarily fit in in this world of of entrepreneurs, they're 
or I feel like I sort of have to pretend that I am, maybe there's something in there that needs to, you know, be spoken to more truly. So I kind of went off on the tangent there. Well, I'm just listening and I'm like, just sitting here nodding my head. I just love everything you just said. I mean, I would love to unpack it forever, but I know we have to wrap it up at some point, but gosh, it's just so true. You must've been so surprised when you had that kind of a response. Cause I'm sure pushing that button, being vulnerable and, and hitting send or post, it's like, oh my gosh. And then to have everyone welcome you and just say like, yes, like we need to hear this, you know? And it was in the middle of the night. And I remember a ding came up and it was like immediately someone had said something like, you know what people had said who've, who've read the site for a long time? And we have people who've been there since the beginning. They knew something was going on. They did. That's interesting. I think that people are a lot more are a lot more able to access their intuition online than than we realize. And you know, I I, I do think for there are a lot of a lot of bloggers and influencers out there who are saying I need to like be more real in order to connect with people. And you don't have to give up something that is important to you. And privacy is incredibly important. I mean, boundaries are incredibly important. And so that's why I I speak about it in a way that I'm that I know that whoever reads it, I I am comfortable giving that piece of my life to my community because it helps them. There's a lot of things that I'm working through right now that I'm not ready to talk about and maybe never will be. But if I am and I feel like it can bring something good out into that world, then I then I will because I have that platform to do it. And it, it's it's grown because of moments like that when it really mattered. So I've got contributors who text me and say, I'm having this thing and I am just broke up with my boyfriend and I have so much to say. And I'll say, write it all down. And then I want you to wait a week. And then I want you to edit it. Oh, and then I want you so to wait smart. a week. And, and I've even said, you know, listen, this is not your soapbox to get back at anyone. This has to be about paying it forward. In a lot of ways, I'm glad that I can help them through you know, that writing exercise, because they have the therapeutic benefit of having written it and having gotten it out on paper for themselves. But then also just to remember that this, this is something that is not just about you, you know, and and we want also want to make sure it's, it's a people's privacy is taken into consideration and other parties and people who don't want to be written about too. Well, I will say that your blog is one of my absolute favorites and you just cover like such a huge like variety of topics. So, I mean, if you think you're just going to get design, you're going to be really surprised, (laughs) excited about all the goodies to find there. Yeah. And that really is because I just, I just couldn't just talk about design because it's just not, the reason why design is it really at the core of all of the other lifestyles we talk about is that the way that we design our life and the people we choose to share our life with, the things that we bring into our home, the way that we live in our spaces all affect kind of how we live as people. Uh, And I think that the power of design can be incredibly healing. And, you know, I I know that through, I learned to build my self-esteem through caring for my space. And that first apartment after my divorce was so much of that therapy was getting my first couch and caring for my coffee table and like having my nice teacups. And yeah, I think spaces and design are, you know, there's so much more than pretty things. Okay. So I'm going to invite Julie back into this conversation. She's been, I'm sure, eagerly waiting on the sidelines. I'm listening. It's like Oprah's soul Sunday. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I'm like, oh my gosh, anyone listening can take a nugget of, you know, whatever area of their life that they need some sort of explanation or clarity in, and they can, I'm sure, gain something from listening to you. I hope so. 
you've already given us plenty, but if there's like one great tip that you could share with our listeners, maybe one that kind of stands out for you from all the others. I would say that you are more capable than you realize. If I call you at 9 a.m. on any given day, what are you most likely doing? Probably listening to my favorite murder <laughs> on my way to work or something. I'm going to have to look that one up. I've never heard of that. <laughs> yeah. What is something people would be surprised to know about you? I am a two-time national champion of Irish dancing. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> I am so serious. <laughs> okay, back like, up. Like full-on river dance. Yes. What? Yep. How did that start? Oh, I danced from the time I was five until, yeah, I was 16. And yeah, I was good. Um, so it's out <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. And so what did you, two time, what was uh, it? I won, I won the national championships twice. How old were you? I was 14 and 15. That is impressive. Yeah. And I'm just butting back in here because my mouth, my jaw opened. That is like, this is one of my favorite pe questions to ask people because you never know what you're going to get. And that probably could be my favorite answer I've ever heard on the no, podcast before. So I'm backing back out, but I just had to go. Which is like totally the weirdest thing ever. I, I mean, funny. at first I thought you were joking. No, I know. That's it's yeah, it's, it's hilarious. Do you still dance? I mean, I dance in lots of different ways. I think when I see like a very amazing dancer, I weep. Like it's, it's yeah. like one of those things that moves me to like no end. And I would say, you know, I dance with the kids. I dance a lot for aerobics and I built a little school while I was in college to pay bills. So I, I had like, I think, I think it was like 75 students then, but I do not get out my, my hard shoes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, those need to make a return, clearly. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, people would love that. I think the last time I the last time I, I, I danced was at my at my wedding to my husband. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, they they forced me to do it. Okay, you've unplugged. How do you decompress? I decompress with yoga, meditation, baths. Yeah, I mean right now that that's really it. I, I am huge on breath work and just getting those cortisol levels as low as possible. How did you learn how to meditate? I know that's a big thing a lot of our listeners are into. And I know there's some apps, but do you have like a favorite kind of way that you've learned how to meditate and yeah. well for you? I think the thing that's worked the best is that I, I had a doctor who was basically like, listen, your cortisol levels are so high that like you have to learn how to do this. So in a lot of ways, it was like, oh, this is just like a thing. It's literally like a prescription that I've been given. So um, I've been doing the Headspace app and they, they have a section that helps you through trouble spots. So if you're feeling like I feel sometimes particularly agitated, like almost like my heart rate goes up if I, I have a very busy body, like listening to kind of the things that you're supposed to be feeling was really helpful. They have these packs. So if you subscribe to it, where they help you do visualizations, which essentially you, you let thoughts in and out and then just like gently tap them away with a feather. And I think for a lot of people, if it's like, oh my gosh, my mind should be still, it's not still, it's not still. The visualization aspect of things has really been a nice way to help me learn how to benefit from the practice. And it's not about being good. It's about doing it, you know, and I, I try to remind myself of that. Well, and I love what you just said that you were given it almost like a prescription, like you have to take a pill every day. Yes. It was a functional doctor and he, he just said, I'm concerned. And so, and I was like, I took it very seriously. So yeah, sometimes it takes that. Yeah. Well, I know it's a hard thing to get into. It's a hard thing to learn, I think. And to make time for it. But, you know, really right now, that is that is my thing. 
And I've seen the change in my, I'm less impatient, actually. I wouldn't say that I'm less stressed. I would say it puts me back in a place where I'm able to pause and not be reactive. Sometimes I'll just move really fast and try to do a lot of things to fix something where it's, I've been a little bit more intentional and a lot more, a lot less reactive. And I think even as a parent, like I've, I found myself being a lot more flexible with the fact that I have a toddler and, you know, it doesn't matter if he wants to sit for 30 more seconds and finish what he's doing, even though like we need to get to, you know, I've already seen changes in just the way that I interact with other people versus, you know, after I meditate. Here are three people you love to follow on Instagram. Okay. So off the top of my head, someone I've been obsessed with right now is I swoon. And mostly because she like defies everything that I, I, she does not, she's like a Disney princess. Who's also an incredible stylist. Who's in these beautiful decor. So that's one of those things where I'm like, you're not even of this world. Um, so <laughs> I like Disney princess. I follow almost like three thousand people, so it's sometimes hard for me. That is a lot of people. Three. It's 000. a lot of people. <laughs> Studio McGee is, you know, my I I just adore them. Um, half baked harvest. So that oh, that, I love that one. Yes. So that's really you know as I'm trying to eat better and do those meditation. I mean, I just her photography is just amazing. And, and so, yeah, those are three that I'm, I'm, I know like that I've been double tapping a lot lately. Excluding social media, what is your favorite app? Oh, the CoStar app, CoStar. What is that? It is an astrology app. However, I say it with this caveat, the updates and the way that they talk through where you're at, they account for your rising sign and your moon sign. And they separate your each day through luck and opportunity changes and then frustrations. And they, they talk about responsibility and limits, growth and progress, your emotional world. And it's, it's like some tough love. <laughs> you read this wow, I like that. Yeah. So let me see if I can find something that would be like a good sound. Oh, okay. So like, here's one, your closest relationships need attention. Minor annoyances can grow into resentment if they are not handled immediately. Like that's not as like poetic, but some, I read one that was like, you're feeling like you're under a lot of pressure. Just remember that diamonds are coal that handled pressure well. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's kind of fun because it's got a little bit of the magic, but then it's also like a good dose of like, okay, things are right. a little hard here. That's okay. And you can kind of power through it. So that's my favorite. Name the book you currently cannot put down. Women Who Run With Wolves. Describe your perfect day entirely at the spa and then a dinner of roast chicken and vegetables with our fire going with my kids. What is your beverage of choice, both in AM and PM? Turmeric ginger tea. That's like all I've been doing right now. Do you have a city that has you shedding a tear when you have to leave? Paris. Do you have a current Netflix addiction? Ooh, so yes. Maniac which is Emma Stone and Jonah Hill. And it's all about this sort of like a weird alternate universe where it's supposed to be like set right now, but it's kind of weird technology. And it's a basically a pharmaceutical test gone wrong, but it's beautiful and funny and deeply human. And I love it so much. Do you have a favorite beauty product found in your bag at all times? The Anomi cheek stick. It's the only thing that I really need for makeup. You can put it on your cheeks, lips, eyes, and it's it's like skincare, but makeup. I love it. Who would you like to have coffee with or your ginger tea? 
let's just say Martha Stewart. <laughs> Who is your celebrity crush? I mean, I've always had a thing for Chris Martin. Oh, me too. Yeah, I'll own up to it. Do you currently have a song on repeat? I've been listening to Nico Case on repeat right now. And I think it's like, I just, cause it's sad, but also like, I, I absolutely love it. The, also the, the Lost in Translation soundtrack, Too Young by Phoenix. I just love that song. Here's the other one. Okay, Just Like Honey, The Jesus, and Mary Chain. What meal would you choose as your last meal? You know, my last meal would be this amazing coconut vegetable curry dish that is this, it's from this Himalayan, Himalayan restaurant down the street with Momo dumplings. I think about it all the time. Okay, one last question. What is the greatest life advice you've ever received? It was from my therapist and she said, you know, this sounds so, it doesn't sound inspiring when I say this, but she's like, you're not dead. And what she meant by that was like, the things that are happening to you are not killing you. They're making you who you are. And so it really helped me learn to not try to run away from pain and not try to hide my feelings or bury them. It really has taught me to embrace the hard times because they transform you more so than the happy times. Right. I totally agree. I think you have to sit in everything, right? Good and bad to kind of come out on the other side of it. It's easier, obviously, to come out of the better things, but to sit in bad stuff, you know, it builds who you are. Yeah, for sure. And I would say that 2018 has been a bad year. I mean, like it, my kids have been sick. I gave birth a month early than I should have and was in the hospital and on bed rest and I've had some, you know, bad health stuff. And it's, you know, it's just not been a great year, but I'm in transition, you know, and in a lot of ways, there's a lot to be thankful for that and nothing can sustain forever. You can't be sort of under the thumb of bad luck forever there's a season for everything. So it's, it's important to, to remember that even if it's a bad couple years or an extended amount of time that, that it does get better. And when you have lived long enough to know that that's the truth, it's, it's incredibly helpful, but there are a lot of young people who are going through it for the first time that I remember what it was like. It felt like the end of the world. (laughs) I like, what is this? I don't want any, any part of this. (laughs) Right. But you're liberated once you get through. Yeah. Yeah. So true. All right. Well, Kate, it's been such a pleasure talking with you and we are so excited about your podcast. So tell us where we find you on, on all of your handles and your blog and all that good stuff. Yes. You can find me at witanddelight.com. If you're interested in looking at our product, you can look, find that at shopwitanddelight.com. Our handle on Instagram is at witanddelight with a little underscore. And we're also on Twitter and Facebook if you look for Wit and Delight. Okay, perfect. Well, have a great evening and we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Bye, Kate. Bye. All right, Tedra, now is the time that we like to talk about ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, after talking to Kate, I was super inspired by her and it got me thinking and I want to ask you if you could redesign any room in your house, which room would you choose? Okay. Well, that's a little limiting for me because I live in a high rise in a small one bedroom apartment. So I would say in this current setup, it would definitely be my closet because I just Hallelujah. don't have enough storage. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have enough closet and it's just sort of like a stock closet that you would find in a lot of apartments. 
So yeah, my closet, I guess. For those of you listening, I have to intercept here. When Tedder and I first started out podcasting, I would podcast in her closet. And <laughs> it was a sight, sight for sore eyes. So I'm very happy to hear you say that. Well, you know what it is? It's turned into just like my storage unit too. So it's like, there's kitchen things in there. There's just things that don't need to be in a closet. Everything. But yeah. Candles, vitamins. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, what about you? I would probably redo my kitchen dining, like my eating area. I feel like we kind of stand around our big island all the time and we never transition to the table, which is so weird in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. So I make my island just a lot bigger. So as a family of five, we could all sit around and we don't ever have to move to the table if we don't want to. Yeah, it's a little small for all of you to fit there. But then, yeah, if you don't move to the table, then I guess it's a little bit of a wasted space. All right. Well, we want to thank you all for listening today. And if you like this show, we would love for you to head over to iTunes and give us a positive review. You can find us at wegettoknow.com where you can sign up for our newsletter and on social media at We Get to Know. Head over to Instagram. We would love to hear from you and get your opinions on guests and show ideas. Our music is provided by the talented Blake Atwell of Studio 1916 right here in Austin. Until next time, take care as we continue to get to know all of our favorite people.